Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One artist. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Norman, literature geek and writer. And I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour, your home for news, reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. I am coming to you from an empty, echoey apartment. Yep, it's going to be hard to get out of there, isn't it? It's not an impossible. That's not an effect. It is. Everything is not here. We'll just, just put some more reverb on me and it'll be handsome boys in space coming to you beyond time it's actually not a bad idea we'll just be a little a little bit more uh spacey this mm-hmm. episode we'll fight galactus at the end of this episode i'll kick him right in his sack i'm not sure if right he has galactus sack a glack sack yeah galax sack galax he has to have a he has to have a sack. He carries planets around in it and no, eats he, them. He eats them it's like right. a bag of chips. He doesn't take things to go. He always is. He always dines in. He's that's local fresh food. That's the way to go. Galactus's paleo. He is. He wants. Mm-hmm. He does not want anything with any kind of preservatives mm-hmm. or uh, you know artificial chemicals. He wants mm-hmm. things locally sourced. That's that's how Reed Richards got him to not eat the Earth. It's like, dude, there are so many chemicals here. Do not uh-huh. eat this planet. Yep, it's just it's just dog shit, man. And Reed Richards says the word dude all the time. He does. He's he's like a, <laughs> you know he's like a California stoner stereotype. Dude, man. This place is like oh whoa. Or maybe he's uh Keanu Reeves, I don't know. I was gonna I don't say, know what that was. Yeah, or or uh Sean Penn from uh What's that movie from like 30 years ago when he played the stoner? I think it's irrelevant because I've not seen it and I'm I'm already sick of this line of questioning. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, guys. I'm offended. I have traveled near and far to come to record with you. Eric has as well, Most, honestly. Mostly far. Mostly, mostly far. Yeah. And, uh, but I think it's time for the, for our first segment for weekly floppies. Where's the noise? I need the noise. You said like you were gonna murder me. <laughs> well, we have we have we still have some time. Uh, this week's <laughs> weekly floppies is a part of the show. Eric and I will uh, review the week's books, tell you to buy or do not buy them. Uh, beginning with Convergence number zero, and zero I guess is a number, so that's fair. Mm-hmm. Number zero. This is written by Dan Jurgens and Jeff King, art by Ethan Van Skyver, colors Marcelo Maiolo, Travis Lanham doing letters. This is kind of like, it's not, it's just kind of setting the stage for people who, anyone who has not been yeah. paying attention to anything that's happened with uh, some of this, all the DC stuff happening that's setting up convergence. This is kind of telling you how it's all going to work with uh, some Superman, some Brainiac. A lot of DC people, DC DC editorial laying out, here's why you should mm-hmm. buy this crossover event. Remember all those characters you loved and then we 
destroyed them and erased them from existence. Oh, yeah. They'll be back just a little bit, and then they'll fight each other. I do like the recreation of Superman 75, uh, Lois over uh, dead Clark Kent, dead Superman, mm-hmm. after Doomsday beat him up. Is that what he did to him? He didn't kill him because he, he ended up being coming back, so he was in a coma or something. He just it's, needed more it's, he needed more sun power. It's comic books. It doesn't matter. Yeah. What Apparently. Are your, what are your thoughts, Eric? How do you, what do you think about this? I think it's a hot mess. Okay. Um, it's not terrible, but it's a mess. It It is kind of nice to see some of these classic DC characters, but this is a kind of comic storytelling that just feels so incongruous with th- th- anything that's modern. And maybe that sounds good to you. I was going to tell uh, you, I was going to say that same thing. Like, and I, it feels like very much, and Dan Jurgens wrote Superman in the nineties. Mm-hmm. So that kind of, ex- that makes a lot of sense. Yes. yes it, it feels like that. Like I mentioned Superman 75 death of Superman. Yeah. This is, it feels from, like it's from that era. Very much from that era. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And I don't know. I, I, it's not what I want out of a comic book anymore. It's not terrible. It doesn't exactly make me want to vomit. It is, I mean, I knew what Convergence was more or less going to be about. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew what it was more or less going to be about. Uh, just from, you know, just hearing about it, podcasts, and just generally being a little bit informed, but I couldn't tell what the hell this was trying to say to me just from reading it. I thought it was, I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. I get some ideas from it. It's just, it's, it's not quite pulling it together. I I don't know. I'm not excited. I do. I do really like Unicron Brainiac though. (laughs) I, I think it's. Getting it gets in the way of itself. That's that's a good way of putting it. It doesn't need to be this complicated. No, it's very to, like to, here. To sh- Brainiac is taking all this shit and throwing them together in a mm-hmm. big battle arena. It's he's basically yeah. Beyonder in the original Secret War. Secret Wars from the Marvel event in the eighties. It's the same concept. It take a big powerful person entity and it grabs all these different universes and all these people and throws them together. It doesn't need to be like this. Like, it's trying to be, like, this weird brainiac, multiple brainiac, existential, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It, like, it tries to be too smart. Like, this is not, yeah, I not, do not, it is I do not, not, it is not a smart comic book, yes. No, I do not expect Convergence to be smart. I expect it to maybe, if at best, it'll be fun just to see all these mm-hmm. old characters come back. I do not expect it to be smart, and it, this, this comic book setting it up does not need to be smart either, so... If you're going to use Superman as the kind of POV character for entire DC universe, I, I don't know. It doesn't need to be. I don't know. I, I do not buy. I don't need. You don't need to read. You don't need to read this. You buy Convergence number one. I don't. It, this is not entertaining in its own right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any story in it that you need to know before you go buy Convergence number one if you're going to be buying that. I think everyone who knows what Convergence is is going, oh, I'll just buy it. I don't. Yeah. It's, huh. it's, it, I, I, don't I hope, I hope Unicron Brainiac is, is in any of the other following books we happen to read because it's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Ethan Van Skyver, who we, he, uh, drew a part of some, some of the Sinister Core War. Mm-hmm. And I think we have the same 
feelings about him than we did then. This isn't terrible. No, that's I think that's what our feelings were. Yeah. It's, it's fine. It's superhero-y. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the stuff that's the nicest looking is the stuff with really rich backgrounds. The figures look very superhero-y, and it doesn't kind of work. Uh, we, we get to see Superman's eye beard. Mm-hmm. For He's sure. got that be- That beard is it is out of control. It is going all the way up his face. Mm. So, are, are you do not buy as well, Eric? Or are you going to surprise me? Uh, you've convinced me. <laughs> I was actually, like, for for Unicron Brainiac, I was almost there. That and I like I like uh, Metal Man Brainiac as well. He's just such a cornball character. He is, and I think that's also part of, like, just go full on with that. Instead, they're trying to make mm-hmm. it all serious and stuff. It's just... yeah doesn't work so i'm 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 gonna agree with you on this so okay. total do not buy here do not buy convergence number zero feels kind of and zero issues like generally are just cash grabs yeah they're throwaways so i, I was hoping it have something of substance but meh. Okay. that was foolish of you i know hope why would i hope for anything hope springs eternal next up from dc batman eternal See, Eric did a little segue there, you guys. There you go. Number 52, it's the last... <laughs> the last I don't know why I did that song. <laughs> the last issue of, I guess, season one of Batman Eternal, because they've already announced it's gonna be a, there's going to be another year of this. Uh, let me get through the credits, which are uh, a mile long. Mm-hmm. Scott Snyder and James Tenino the Fourth on story. James Tenino the Fourth on script. Ray Fox, Kyle Higgins, and Tim Seeley as consulting writers. We have Ed- Eduardo Pensica and Julio Ferreira doing the, I guess pages five to. Tw- I'm not going to list pages. Robson and Robson Raka and Guillermo Ortego, Dave Lafuente and Tim Seeley, Ray Fox, Alan Pasalacqua, Gabe Lta, John Calise, John Roche. Yeah, art. Yeah, there's like all these people are doing are, are doing art and colors. Steve Wands did the letters. A huge, you know, this is a weekly book, so you know, they, I guess they split art duties, you know, to get it out. Yeah. Um, I we have not. We've read a few issues here and there. Of Batman Eternal. It's and I p- picked up well enough what was going on. It's not that complicated, you know. It. it but for a book that's like a a weekly book running fifty two issues. I would expect the last issue to be bigger than this, you know? I don't think bigger is the word I would use. Better, maybe. Well, that's what I... This It's fine. I mean, it's okay. It's yeah. not... It, but well, I think I mean, it, it has the big... It has the big Hollywood ending, I think, very reminiscent of uh, the Nolan Batman films. Are, are, do you get that at all? The... What, with uh, Gordon and Batman on the roof together and... It's just something about... It, that is reminiscent of Batman Begins, where they're, mm-hmm. you know... Yeah. I was actually going to say it reminded me, not the not the actual ending, but that when they're, we're all Batman thing, mm-hmm. it reminded me of that uh, the last issue of the last Captain Marvel run, where, you know, the entire city is, we are Captain Marvel. The same kind of I am Spartacus kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. Where where were you going originally? You were Nolan movies. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like they all sort of have that big feeling. City's burning. Everything's coming together. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. I would compare them to the um, oh, what's his name that uh, did Anarchy? Uh, 
I can't even think of them at this point. Brian Buscelletto and Francis Manipal? Buscelletto. First, I was going to say Azarello because it's, uh, that's not even how his name is said either, is it? Who, Azarello? Is it, is it said Azarello? I believe so. Okay. Oh. I was confusing those two names, but I knew that wasn't him. Buccioletto, yeah. I mean, when you just compare it, like that Batman story, which is like a much more traditional, but also for me, it's a much more functional Batman story. It works more. This is, it's, it, it's trying to just be something. I don't want to say too big because I'm not saying don't go too big, but it just, it just, feels too phony to me it's it's sort of like how you would uh, you talked about the criticisms of the jeff Loeb books particularly the ones that just really fail mm-hmm. where it's just like oh throw a shitload of characters in there it's what this feels like here's all the bat family for just to make you feel like this is awesome and the whole city's on fire mm-hmm. here's vicky vale's butt a whole bunch <laughs> yeah there's there, there is that that is certainly a miranda shot there um mm, that is that, i think that's that that's damn near archetypal miranda shot mm-hmm. uh i think it's just a, a lot of this is just a product of a book that is running for an entire year on a weekly basis and it has to when it's doing that previous dc books that have done this like before the new 52 uh launched you know like a countdown and 52 both of those i guess the endings had like far-reaching consequences for the DC universe and Batman's universe, you know, his consolidated line of books. And I don't know if this is going to have that say it brought uh, uh Stephanie Brown back. That's the I guess the thing it did the most the cuz she's wasn't in New 52 until this book. But I I don't it's not bad. I guess and I'm we are, I guess are not I mean if you've been reading this every single week maybe it would mean more. But I, I would hope that they would expect a lot of people to be picking up the last issue of a, you know, a gigantic year-long run. And, I mean, it feels like they did because there's a lot of kind of exposition in parts that, like, are spelling out what things yes. mean. And the art's fine, although it does suffer from multiple artists all doing yeah. different things and piecing it all together. I mean, most of the styles are roughly equivalent, so it's not jarring for the most part, aside from that one... Um, one bit. What am I thinking of? I can't even think it's of it. This part here, where it's like in a sewer or something, and it's got Iron Iron Man, Batman guy. Oh right. Uh, uh, yes. Knight Wing, Knight Knight Blade Blade Wing. Or the hell his name? We is. even read a couple of those books and Batwing. Remember his name? Batwing. Is that's it really it Batwing? That's a I, terrible. That's a terrible name. Yeah, it really is. Yep, it's Batwing. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I don't know. Do not, I can't, it's, I, I have to say do not buy. No, it is not a good book. No. Even though it does have the No, It's Becky shirt in it. <laughs> do you know what No, It's Becky is? I want to say I remember, but I can't at the, right now. It's a Tumblr joke. Oh. That, uh, do you want me to explain it to you or do you want to leave it at that? <laughs> I think that's enough. I don't think Fair enough. We'll need Tumblr jokes explained. But uh, I, uh, do not buy, double do not buy Batman Eternal number 52. Uh, if you're buying that book already, then you're definitely buying number 52. But if you're ex- a, like a non-subscriber to this and you just want to come in and see the, the fireworks, don't bother. Um, next up, our indie book of the week. Uh, something I was, I had high expectations after hearing a lot of buzz throughout the week. 
It is Southern Bastards number eight, ending the second arc. They're doing little four-issue arcs, basically, in this book. Um, written by Jason Aaron, art by Jason Latour, the Jasons. Uh, God, the hits just keep on coming in this one, Eric. Yep, yep. I, 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 the hits, I, literally. Literally. And uh, I, it's like, yep. I, I, I'm continually surprised by how good this book is. Just it keeps going, bet, getting better. This, this, it just make it just makes me happy. Yeah, I don't. It, I, 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 yes. Yeah, we see Coach Boss's how he eventually how he becomes Coach Boss, uh, and well, I, I guess that I don't know if this answers the question about the magical Nero thing we've been discuss, we've discussed previously about it. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it did enough to turn that trope a little bit on its head. <laughs> it did not. Yeah. It did not go where I was expecting it to for sure. I, I, this might have taken the mantle as my favorite comic at the moment. Good. It's, it has been mine for a long time. I know it. I know you've been on, like, I've always liked it a lot. I, but yes. it may be my favorite right now. It is just incredible how they, it feels like they told so much story in only eight issues. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's so deep. It feels important. Every issue is important. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best, the best thing you can say about it. Like, you feel like, oh, I need, it doesn't feel cheap. Like, some issue, like some series, you're like, you buy every, a single issue, you're like, I didn't need to buy this. I could just wait for the Kinda trade. Kind of like both the last two books we just read. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, like, even books I like, I'm like, why did, I don't need this, this single issue. It's not, mm-hmm. there's not enough in this one single issue to make it worth my while, generally. But this, there's just, Every issue has like such compelling, interesting reveals, and it just keep and like and the the last page just makes me. I'm like, I can't wait. Where's the next one? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. I'm adding this to my digital subscriptions because I'm going to be reading this regardless. So, uh, I, I what do you have any specific thoughts you want to add, Eric? Yeah, Coach Boss looks weird in his little coach shorts. Mm-hmm. But well, I played football. Oh, actually, if I'm going to say something, I did not think we'd get back to uh, to uh, to Earl Tubbs' Bert. daughter. Yeah, Bert Tub. Yeah, Bert. You don't look like a Bert. <laughs> yeah. We, that quickly, you I, think she'd be uh, coming back later? Right. Yeah. That's that's how the first arc ended was with a little flash of her, and now we're back. Mm-hmm. The same way the first one was, but man. This is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this book is why Jason Aaron is my favorite comic book writer. This book is incredible. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm I'm going to try not to hug uh, Jason Latour when I meet him at uh, Heroes Con this summer. I'll try not to crush his spine when I hug him. Yeah, it, it's it's spectacular, guys. If you are not reading Southern Bastards. The next, this trade collecting the second four issues, I believe is also going to be $10. And as was, as the first one was, and I believe it'll probably be out next month. I think image is pretty concrete on their release schedules for the trades. I think the, they're going to take a couple months break and come back with issue nine in this, in, in middle, in the summer sometime, which is not that far off, honestly. But buy, buy this book. It's great. Good lord, buy this book. Double buy. Southern Bastards number eight. Next up, Uncanny Inhumans number zero, our second zero issue of the week. 
Uh, yeah, this one's this one's not as bad as the other one. No, it it certainly is not as bad as the first zero uh, issue we read. Where's the credits? I know they're in here somewhere at the very end. They're the in there. You have to buy another book to get the credits for this book. Uh, the the main story in this is written by Charles Soule with Steve McNiven on on pencils, Jay Leeson on inks, Justin Ponsor on colors, Jay Clayton Cowles doing letters. Uh, there's a backup story with Ryan Stegman writing, Ryan Lee on art, James Campbell doing colors, and Clayton Cowles doing the letters for that as well. Although that is mainly kind of just a character afterthought piece. It's not really that integral to anything. Um, this is coming. This is basically Uncanny Inhumans is basically black the Black Bolt book. Mm-hmm. The the Inhuman Inhumans book is going to be Medusa. Basically, they're going to be split in half with the people loyal to Medusa in that book, and people loyal to Black Bolt and his story in Uncanny Inhumans. Uh, both those things are. I'm excited to read both of those because they're both very good characters, and for a number zero book, I mean, drawn by Steve McNiven, this is. This doesn't feel like a kind of book that you can skip, or it doesn't. I don't. I kind of don't want to. No, it's regard. If I'm seeing Steve McNiven draw anything, I'm just kind of like, eh, mm-hmm. I'll buy it just so I can look at it. I, I, yeah. I mean, and it's a it's a good it's a good McNiveny book. And Black Bolt gets a shot with an arrow. He does, and he just kind of shrugs it off. He's like, eh, arrow. Just pulls it out. Yep. Yeah, I got shot with an arrow through my torso. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I think he's just he's invulnerable. Like it, like it, like I didn't think an arrow would hurt him. But whatever. No, he's. Like I got a, I got, got a, I got a, got an arrow in my guts. Ouch. Ouch. But I'm not gonna say ouch. <laughs> yeah, because then half the earth would bad. fly away. Yeah, too bad. Um, but it, I, I, it looks gorgeous. Uh, I, it's it's interesting seeing Black Bolt. Uh, we we get some Kang. Uh, King, King the Conqueror, which I was not. He was sounds sounds like a a, a euphemism for something. So I got some Kang this weekend. Yeah, some. I, I was going to say you've got to you got to at least snicker at that. Conquered some Kang. Yep, there we go. But it's uh, Black Bolt hunting down Ahura, his his and Medusa's son. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a little bit of a kind of revolution about that, and plus connections to Black Bolt's uh, ties to the Illuminati. Uh, hey, if we haven't said it before, Steve McNiven is drawing this. Drawing actually, the hell out of it. Yeah, he does a, a great job. The How he draws Black Bolt's voice powers are really, the way they show them, like, it, it's, every time they use, like, it's a way, a thing that could be very boring. It could just be him opening his mouth going, ah, and like something flies away. But instead, so can, they, can I can I ask you a question about this? I'll do my best to answer. Is is his voice power sound punches? Um, mouth punches. Uh, sound punches. Well, it's from his mouth. It's a, it's a sound. Yes, there's there there are sound there's sound punches. If that if they're very fast and powerful punches from his from sound. Okay, we're working our way through every sense here. Hmm. I think that's four out of five. Honestly. We'll have to we'll have to recount this at some other at some later date. But really see what we have what we have locked down. This is this feels uh it's interesting and it, and it's beautiful and uh I would definitely uh, suggest buying it. Yeah, I like this book. I'm thank you for not making this book terrible. Yes, it's Marvel. a zero that's that's good. See, that's why I we get the zeros sometimes because sometimes they're good. Mm-hmm. So double buy Uncanny Humans number zero.
our last book of the week is Ultron Forever, number one. Uh, teacher, let's see, okay, before I get into any of that. Writer, Al Ewing. Pencils, Alan Davis. Inks, Mark Former. Colors, Rachel Rosenberg. Or Rochelle Rosenberg, excuse me. Letters, Travis Lanham. Avengers Ultron Forever, part one of three. Um, future Ultron, future Doom. Doom assembles greatest, a great team of Avengers from throughout the multiverse and history to fight future Ultron, right? Yeah, that's that's it. It this does it, like I we we're talking about how Convergence feel, felt very like of the nineties. Mm-hmm. This feels very much like of even earlier. It feels like it belongs like in the eighties Avengers run. Yeah, to me, it feels like of that. Maybe it's just because I mean, if the if uh, current Thor wasn't in this, I would have thought that this was from like a different time period. And a lot of it's because of the art, I would suppose. Mm-hmm. It, it, it feels it feels like um like a Perez, mm-hmm. you know, like a like a like an Infinity Gauntlet era book, mm-hmm. which is like early nineties. And we discussed how that was. It it felt like a transitional book, mm-hmm. and th- this feels very much of that time period. But I like the way this book looks. Really? Yeah, I do. I'm surprised. I do. You uh, you don't care for it? I'm not against it. I was just I was not expecting you to enjoy it. Well, it's just that that um, that that's a classic era of Marvel art that I've I've got warm fuzzy feelings about. I think that's really what the beginning and end of it. This has Ernest Borgnine Hulk in it too. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it does. Um, Tim Sale draws Ernest Borgnine Hulk as well. That's that's where uh, my friends uh, coined that for me. So I can't take full credit for Ernest Borgnine Hulk. But we get um, what uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones' daughter as Captain America. I want to like her so much more than I do. I feel like this artist is really not pulling her off at all. It looks awful. Yeah, that's that's probably my biggest complaint with the art. Mm-hmm. I like the way that everyone else is handled, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks really bad. I mm-hmm. don't care for it. I, I think like that's such a cool idea that I would I wouldn't mind seeing that as a regular character. You know. Super powered girl Captain America from the future. It's pretty fantastic, but doesn't, I don't know, it's really just bad looking. Ernest Borgnine Hulk does not make it through the end of this issue. Spoiler alert. Yeah, well, that's what you think. He might have, he might grow another Hulk head. You don't know what Doom's thinking. <laughs> yeah, it, it sets it up to, for all these, all, every single of these, uh, Avengers to have, to fail. Like that's the each of, we get the story of each of them as they go and try and fight Ultron and they seemingly are failing. So I think that's gonna it's setting you up for that expectation of everyone. It's the uh, what, Ultron uh, is Odin now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did really like that. That's a that's a pretty cool drawing. At the end of this book. Mm-hmm. I agree. It looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm a, I would say I'm a buy mush meter two. Really? Yeah. If I'm a buy on this, I'm pretty fairly mushy. Okay. Because it's, the art I think is very charming for the most part. Obviously, I've already said the parts that I do not care for. It's just, it's not my kind of comic. 
So I'm 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 mushier, but it's not terrible. I, I I'm gonna go as far as four out of five on the mush meter. Okay, so it puts us at a solid three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. I you can that's... you can divide by two very quickly. I'm good at that. <laughs> Divided by two, always mm-hmm. solid on my on my part. Mm-hmm. Put that on your resume. I might. I just might. You just might. Uh. You read anything else this week? Or? Started to read uh, Gotham Academy. Couldn't get into it. What, Endgame? Don't know why. Yeah. No, I didn't read it yet. You'd think I would have. Looks like you picked up. Looks like you picked up some good books, though. Well, I did read. Let's see, Black Cross, the the Warren Ellis Twin Peaksy thing, where guys are setting themselves on fire in a lake. This 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 uh, this issue is, I think, better than that first one. It's oh more, yeah, and the first more. one wasn't bad. Just, no, just more clear. Yeah, this one has more stuff happening, and you're like, oh, okay, a little bit more pieces coming together. It's, mm-hmm. I, I liked it a lot. It was fun. Uh, I think Spider Gwen three came out. I read that. Um, I liked it. It's fun. She gets bonked on the head and now starts seeing. Um, basically, has like Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider Ham, as like her imaginary, uh, like Jiminy Cricket. Perfect. Yeah, but he's he, he's not imaginary though. Apparently, he's not imaginary. Well, I mean, he's imaginary. He was in. This. Uh, no, in this he's imaginary. So. Only she can see. Him. Yeah, I don't doubt that. I mean, I haven't read the book, and you have. So, but I'm he, sure isn't, he yeah, is. Yeah, he's a real character in one of yes. The, one of those. He was ones. in. He was in the the last event. But spider Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. Space Spider Vampires. Space Spider Vampires. That is the thing that happened. I also read many issues that were not released this week, but that I hadn't read yet. But I, you know, not as they're not as topical. Um, I think that can do it, right? Show enough. Show enough. With that, we can get to our next segment. It is time for checking in. It's a good look. You're a good look. I know. Checking in is part of the show where Eric and I will talk about what we've been up to during the week, uh, make recommendations or suggestions or, you know, disparagements from time to time. I will, I will, I will, I will not even think twice about disparaging you. I know that. You, you, Mr. Dorman. What, well, what, what have you got to talk about this week? Way too much. Way, way, way too much. I'm going to try and be brief about a couple of things. I, did manage to pick up and read the second She-Hulk uh, trade uh, by Charles Soule. I did hear, hear someone call him Soule the other day. What's your What's I'm, your thoughts on I'm, the correct pronuncia- pronunciation? I'm fairly confident it's Soule. I'm not sure. I'm fairly confident. I don't know. So. I've heard it both ways, but mostly Charles Soule. Mm. And uh, I, I think it's Soule. I'm going to go with Soule. I like Final the way Sol, I, I like the way soul sounds more, so that's why I'm going to yeah, use that. Until soul I, sounds really strange. Yeah, until I hear me. him correct someone, I'm going to go with soul. Mm. Anyway, it's uh, it's just more of the same. I did feel like uh, it's all it's all courtroom stuff, and then at the end, it's like let's punch a guy, and then they punch a guy. It's a little silly that way, but it's good. I wish that there was going to be more of it, but. Sadly, there will not be. No. I saw a a a rock and roll band. What? Last night. Yes. Rock, rock and roll. I didn't. I did thoroughly not expect to enjoy this. Um, but it's called the Baseball Project, and it's basically just a bunch of uh, 
just a bunch of old guys that are just very experienced musicians. Like the bass player was in REM, like that REM, like I've heard, the REM I've heard, you've probably heard of. I've heard of them. It's the end of the world as we yes. know it. Yes, amongst other things. Um, as it turns out, uh, being an experienced musician, you can you know you can write pop songs about bullshit and make them very good and enjoyable. And that's what this was. And I talked to every member of the band and got pictures with them. And uh, it was a good, good show. I would, I would recommend them. Um, I don't know. Good, good little simple rock and roll songs about baseball. Apparently <laughs> I wouldn't know because you can't, I can't understand a word anyone says at a live show. It's not just metal shows. It's everything. <laughs> I don't understand. Um, I'll try and be brief about this one last thing, and then I want to – the last thing I check in with I want to talk about with you for a while. Okay. But uh good podcast that you may or may not be aware of. It's uh, – it was it was on one of the top lists, and it caught my eye. It's called Polygon Minimap. I've seen it. I've not listened to it. I recommend it. It is a really brief 20, 30-minute um, – just one one single narrator discussing – sort of a, a Reader's Digest version of the news from video games and pop culture of the day. Nice little podcast, you know, brief to the point. The, con the content is front and center. It's it's good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. He talked about uh, Convergence a couple of days ago, um, which is the only way, reason I could make heads or tails of that bullshit Convergence number zero book. <laughs> That's what made me think of it. But I, I think you would probably enjoy checking in on it from time to time. And I think uh, other listeners as well. It's a nice little concise podcast. I'll check it out. The, the, uh, the other thing that I am now, unfortunately, completely obsessed with is Steven Universe. Steven Quartz Universe. Yeah, it's so crazy good. I, 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 it's everywhere on Twitter and Tumblr. Everyone's, it is. Yeah. Everyone's for, talking about for, it. for very good reasons. The, uh, couple, I, I, I'm not sure how they're playing that out, but it's, it's got a formula very similar to Adventure Time because it's 10 to 12 minute episodes. You know, it's the half episodes mm -hmm. and it is incredibly like shocking how much they can get in an episode that long. Like, they can tell a surprisingly large amount of story in an incredibly short time frame. Like, there's not... The fact that they can make it, like, as funny as it is, like, it's got, like, very good comedic timing. Steven is very, very funny and a very charming character. I thought it would just be really stupid and annoying, but I was pretty much on board from the beginning. Like, he's... he. I, I don't know what magic formula they have. I don't know who sold whose soul to what devil. <laughs> but the show works really well. Um, it's very, very, very inspired by a lot of uh, 80s and 90s anime. It's basically the, 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 the three super-powered characters. They're called the, uh, the Crystal Gems. And they're kind of like a combination of the Sailor Scouts with Dragon Ball characters. It's, I mean, they're all female. They've not introduced a male one yet with the exception of, uh, with the exception of Steven. Mm. 
who is he is one of these. He's inherited his powers from his mother. Um, but I it it takes everything really about the everything that I love about those two series and combines them, cuts out all the crap. It's really incredibly funny. There's an episode that made me think of you in particular, <laughs> where one of his friends, uh, her name is Amethyst. She's, she's like the, um, she's like the iconoclastic, uh, she's like the loose cannon of the group, I suppose. She's the Raphael. You know? She's kind of the Raphael. She's a hot mess though. Okay. Like she, like, picks her nose and like eats junk food and does all these crazy things that none of the other ones are like too poised and upright to do. But there's an episode where the other two gems are just like giving her shit about, you know, how, like how bananas she is. And to relieve stress, she goes off and becomes a professional wrestler. And Steven decides he's going to join her. She's, she is like, I think she's called like the mighty Puma or something like that. And she shapeshifts into a giant man and is just like, she, I mean, she's got like Dragon Ball power. So she's beating the shit out of everyone. Um, and Steven decides he's going to join her team so they can win the tag team belt. And Steven, his character is Tiger Millionaire, who is basically, uh, furry ted dibiase and it's it's the it's it's hilarious it's a it's so good the like the jokes are really funny the characters are incredibly endearing and it's really just surprising to me how well like they take i don't i don't want to call them tropes but they borrow a lot of stuff from both of these series and reinvent them in fresh ways and it's it's charming and surprising to see it turn up and in, in like they borrow they just straight just rip off fusion from dragon ball <laughs> are you familiar with that do you ever mm -hmm. see any of the fusion characters no well they just put it in there all the, the characters confuse and yeah. it's really awesome <laughs> it's fantastic every time and they have you think that it's just going to be some little thing and that they put it in like six or seven different episodes and it turns out to be really important to the story by the end. But it it is, um, I think, thoroughly worth the hype. I, I, I really want I really want to show you the I really want to show you the Tiger Millionaire episode. How is there just one season out? There they are on the second season now, okay. uh, four episodes deep, I think. But I think everyone was really losing their shit. I think it was because of the end of season two. Because, good God, the ending of, or the, excuse me, the end of season one, the ending of that season is incredible. I'll add it to the list of things I should watch. I, I have, uh, I, I, I made Matt put it on his rotation. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'll put it right behind, uh, The Flash, Lucha Underground, and, I'll probably make it number three. I'll make it number. Three I think you need to put it ahead of all those things. It's a, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. Okay. It's the best. I'll confer with the, uh, with the fiance and see what she wants to watch most because that will. End I think the, that will be the right. thing that determines what we actually watch. <laughs> she, uh, considering the fact that, um, as much as you guys enjoy Adventure Time. Mm-hmm. You, this will 
this will win you over. I would be surprised if you did not like this. At least even, at least even close to as much as I do. It is solid. It is very, very well done. Okay. So, did you manage to move any boxes this week? Oh, uh, actually, you, now that you mention it. <laughs> yes. I, I moved yesterday. Eric was there for the latter I half. I was there. He was for the, for the, the receiving end. He was there. Not the, not the, the. <laughs> I was there to be a catcher. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. That is literally what you did. Mm. I threw things at you and you caught them. Gave them names. That's, we, we'd stopped that pretty quickly, didn't we? We did. We did do that. You didn't, uh, you, you, we had to fight. I wanted to name it Aloysius and you wanted to name it Steve or something. I don't know. Bill. Not even, st- oh, was it Bill? It was Bill. Okay. But I, that's been most of my weekend and now I'm back because of work things. I'm back in my old house by myself for at least a week in a big echoey place. Uh, but, uh, despite doing mostly just moving this week, I do have a few things, things I could listen to, to check in with. Uh, one is Paul F. Tompkins' new podcast. It is huge now, apparently, isn't it? I believe it's been, it was number one on all the iTunes yeah. listings. Uh, That's unreal. Spontaneation is its name. It's a terrible name, but whatever. What do it, I know? It doesn't matter because it's Paul. F- no, with, I don't. It's think Paul it does. Tompkins. It's he's you know he's on a billion. He's on a million other podcasts, but he's this one is a mostly improv based. So that that's the only. I think the only reason he's able to do it weekly is the fact that it's not scripted. There's no. Planned. There's no thought put into it at all. He even, I mean, he, and he's open like, yeah, it's the only reason, like, I normally plan things to within an inch of their lives and it takes me hours and days to get anything done. This, I'm just doing it off the top of my head with other, he does like a little short interview segment and then the person he interviews will suggest stuff for the second part of the show, which is like an improv, long form improv session, like half hour long. Uh, first episode was hilarious. I thought it was really good. Uh, if you like any of those, Comedy Bang Bang or uh, Improv for Humans or you know any of those types of shows, you'll like this. If you like Paul F. Tompkins, you'll like this. It's it's really good, really funny. I, Clearly, a lot of people really like Paul F. Tompkins. I I I count myself among them. I think he's okay. I like it when I see him. Like he's done Adventure Time voices mm-hmm. several times, and I always enjoy that. Like I'm I'm kind of glad he's out there doing his thing, but. Often when I when I follow up and listen to a podcast or listen to some comedy bits, it's it's kind of hit or miss for me. I don't think I'm among his biggest fans. I think that's just I mean generally the nature of most of the stuff he does, especially in podcasts, is all improv, mm. and like it's just the some improv is yeah good and some of it is not as good, and especially if depends on your sense of humor, like you may mm-hmm. just not. And I'm, I, that's perfectly acceptable to me. I mean, I, yeah. I, I have, I don't know. I've listened to pretty much everything I've seen from like, say, Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy about on the same level. Some of it is better. Some of it's just an absolute classic. And some of it's just sort of, yeah, this is good. This is standard Louis C.K. Same thing with Patton Oswalt or, um, Mark Marin. Mm hmm. You know, like you, I know about what they're going to do. 
you know, I know about what their level is and I know how I feel about them. But I think maybe I just never sort of established that with Paul F. Tompkins. And it's kind of maybe he's more of an acquired taste. Maybe maybe all this content, if you already like him, is sort of you understand it. But it's never quite worked for me. This is I don't know. This is really largely not his point. Of, I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's improv, I guess. It's just, you know, mm-hmm. it's the nature of it at, at its core is that it's going to be. But most of the the people we had on the first episode were really good and really funny, and they mm-hmm. uh, I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to it. The other thing I want to talk about, which I've already I suggested to Eric, I liked it so much I told him ahead of time you should listen to this. Yes, yes. Uh, is Ink, I checked on this. I think I checked in on this before. Just the actual podcast in general. Ink Pulp. I don't remember Ink Pulp. I remember. I remember. Um, Did I or not? I ink Studs. I remember Ink yeah. Studs definitely. I don't remember yeah. Ink Pulp, but that's. That is my memory. Obviously, there is a digital record of all of these conversations. So, regardless of if I if I'm not, I'm talking about it now. Ink Pulp is a podcast. Uh, it's hosted by Sean Crystal, who is a, an artist. He's most recently done Arkham Manor. He uh, he drew that. Um, he's I would say, and I'm checking specifically with the Jason Latour episodes, which were released last mm-hmm. summer. Um, Jason Latour, obviously, we talked about Southern Bastards, uh, and I mentioned Spider Gwen. He he writes Spider Gwen, and, and the writer and, of that, yes, and and a co storyteller, everyone, co whatever of Southern Bastards. Um, and I've heard him talk on podcasts before, but this is Ink Pulp in a, in a lot of is a very personal. Most episodes feel very much, you know, at, at talking about the person and not necessarily just about the comic they work on for the for the most part. Uh, and hearing Jason Latour's story, um, it, it's really, it made me really like him a lot and realize how, like, smart he is and how, how, like. He was a in, well-spoken gentleman. I, in, I, I, I enjoyed in, listening to it. How introspective he is. Mm. Like, he really, you can hear him know, like, he talks about, like, uh, they talk about some of his, like, how he had a DUI at some point and, like, yeah, it, it basically was the turning point in his life and, he talks about relationships and about about where art is in his in his life and how he fits it in and all that stuff and I it's just incredibly interesting to me. I would definitely suggest listening to those episodes. Uh, I would say my only criticism of the show is uh, Sean. He starts off every episode with an, like an intro, mm-hmm. and after I've listened to like probably almost ten episodes of you know with different artists I enjoyed, um, and he. When he's talking to someone and bouncing off, like he is, he's very much like Marin in that he has all these insecurities and, mm-hmm. and he, you know, I would he, compare it directly to, to WTF. Yeah. And, and it's, he just, I think Mark Marin understands that he, do, he doesn't go on too long in that first intro segment. He only does like maybe five minutes before he cuts to an interview. But the most recent episode was, uh, Mateo Scalera, who I like Mateo Scalera. I'd be interested to hear him talk. And, but Sean Crystal goes on for literally over 10 minutes of just talking about and com- like, and he, I don't know. It's just very off putting sometimes. And so I, I don't know. It, well, I, that, I think his, like, he's very, uh, he's a very jarring person. Yeah. And it's, it's, I found it tough to listen to because he's, his, his manner of speaking is like so aggressive, but, there's such like a vulnerability to what he's saying. Yeah. You know, and it, it's, it, the, the, 
first thing it made me think of is WTF with Mark Marin mm-hmm. because that's exactly his same formula is I'm going to rant about some stuff, talk about sex toys, or sell you sex toys, <laughs> and then here's an interview with someone. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's like it's modeled directly on that. Yeah. And it's, um, and with that kind of his way of conducting interviews, it's very like raw and honest. And that's, I think mm-hmm. that's, that's the charm, but I, it's kind of a double edged sword where it gets a little too, too much yeah. sometimes. But I'd still definitely, definitely listen to the Jason Latour episodes. I really, really enjoyed them. They really, they made me think about art and stuff like that. That's, I think, in the highest praise i could give it is like wow like art in its place in my life and like how i i think about that it made me ponder things i and i it was i don't know it's not necessarily fun but it's definitely compelling it just made me feel really sad i had to stop listening to it in the middle of the second episode yeah it it definitely is it's not that don't listen to it if you're like in a down mood already well i think that there's a lot of it I identify with. There's a reason that Southern Bastards strike such a chord with me. But that's uh, those are the two podcasts checking in with. But I, I think I think it's enough for checking in, right, Eric? We we put we blathered a lot about a lot of things. I know I, I could talk longer about Steven Universe, but I'll just chew your ear some other day. I assume you will. That's what I was expecting. I expect it. It's 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 very good. So, checking in. Over. Commence. Nerd Boy Book Club. Mm. Nerd Boy Book Club is part show where Eric and I will sign a longer collected work and uh, discuss it in depth like you would in a book club. Uh, this week, we are doing Private Eye, number 1 through 10, written by Brian K. Vaughn, art by Marcos Martin, colors Munse, Munsa Vincente. It is a digital-only book, available only at panelsyndicate.com. Pay what pay what you want, DRM free. Um, it's a lot to there's a lot to talk about with this one. I think we've discussed the topics that are prevalent in this before in different times. I mean, it's set no basically in the six like roughly sixty years in the future where the cloud quote unquote has burst as a metaphor. Yeah. Um... I'm going to grumble about that in a little bit. But I know. Keep, I knew. Keep, I assumed you. Going. I assumed going. you would. Uh, but basically, it's a set up world where there is no "quote unquote" internet, and everyone is super focused on privacy and the fact, and like so much so that everyone, almost everyone, goes out with with disguises on, and they almost always mm-hmm. are wearing disguises in their public life. And they, you know, and it's kind of just that's the culture now that there is that the the police now are basically journalists like the journalists are now the police force um mm-hmm. and privacy is uh of utmost concern we our main character is a it's called the private he's eye a, he, he's a pi yeah. and his name is pi he goes pi. by pi he goes by pi pi because his name's patrick immelman but he goes by he goes by pi or pi and mm-hmm. he is a paparazzo basically. He takes pictures of people without their disguises on for, mm-hmm. for whoever, you know, whoever hires him. And, you know, he, he is, uh, he wears a, a an old form of camouflage, uh, and he gets caught up in a very, it's the story itself is very kind of a noir murder mystery 
mm-hmm. kind of story that leads into a kind of a bigger, a bigger context that you know that ties back into actual the general themes of of the setting. Um, what are your general thoughts, Eric? What do you think about it? Well, as it turns out, Brian K. Vaughn is very good at writing comic books. <laughs> I was talking to uh, I was talking to Matthew about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Matt of the Simpsons show. In case uh, you didn't realize who I was talking about, people of the world. Um, that I describe. I say that Jason Aaron is my favorite comic book writer, but. Really, like, I just sort of say it because I don't count Brian Cave on because he wrecks the curve completely. Yeah. Um, like, he's like on the Kelvin scale. He's like on the scale that you measure, like, the, the heat of absolute zero in stars and things. Is he, and, he's a hundred? Jason Aaron is like, Jason Aaron is like a mortal man. <laughs> you know, he's like on the, he's like on the Fahrenheit slash Celsius scale. He's, yeah. So, this is very good. I do think that it takes something that we all kind of worry about Mm -hmm. and makes it, like, which is, you know, the privacy concern and makes it, like, a big looming bogeyman that is part of the whole suspension of disbelief that presupposes the whole thing. Because the whole, that's how... I'm going to frame this because the whole idea of the cloud bursting is stupid as hell. (laughs) And I think that the reason I bring up Matt is because that was the first thing I discussed with him and his eyebrow went up pretty quickly because it's a pretty nonsensical thing to say. Mm -hmm. But you understand what it means and you understand the idea of, oh, well, all my private information is going to be easily accessible by everyone, which is a legitimate concern. You know, there's all kinds of things happening every day. There are going to be security leaks and passwords stolen and people theoretically doing all kinds of terrible things with your identity. Um, so this takes those concerns, just sort of says something illogical, but I think hits an emotional note, and that's what it's built on. Mm-hmm. And it bothers me that it is kind of a nonsensical thing. It also bothers me that it's kind of like a grumpy old man grousing about millennials. But it's even with these caveats, it's a it's a really neat book. Yeah, it, Brian Kavon. I, I had actually tweeted. I it's funny that you said. Turns out Brian Kavon is a <laughs> is a, a good comic book writer. <laughs> So I, as I, when I finished this the other night, I was like, hey guys, Brian K. Vaughn's a good writer. Marcus Martin's a good artist. Their comic book is good. It's crazy. <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, yeah, it's that your point is a, a given. Like, yeah, like you read anyone who has any kind of knowledge about how computers work and technology, like the cloud quote unquote bursting, like as it works as a metaphor. As yeah, a, it's, it's right. It can't, but you can't ever, like, it doesn't work like, like, it doesn't work like that, but. Yeah, it's just... not a literal, like, bucket of stuff that's gonna get a hole in it. That is, yeah, I, yes, Thunderbolt all the way. I mean, hashtag Thunderbolt all the way. Yeah, it's, but once you get past that and realize it is simply used as a metaphor. Yes. It's, it works fine, and, 
the whole system that is where your sense of disbelief begins exactly and the way that this like disguises work and how kind of you get the idea of technology in this world works and how they've restructured society without an internet and it it makes you it, it brings it kind of makes it like we talk about when we talk about saga we talk about how the world is a place this the world that saga takes place in is fully like fully formed and is just there on the page uh-huh. if this feels that same way it feels like i could you know i those streets are real and i'm walking down them uh, i don't think it feels quite as as full and rich as uh, as saga does it's probably not quite as well thought out but it does not feel hollow it does not feel empty it does not feel poorly thought out and i think some of that so, is i pro- mean it's a product of it only being 10 issues too Yes. Uh, if it was two or three times as long as this, I'm sure that I, I mean, that's not even really a concern. He's just only been able to do so much, but Saga, this is not as good as Saga, but it is, (laughs) it is Brian K. Vaughn who, who is definitely, uh, one of the all time great comic book writers. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, easily so. And Lord, this reads so quick. It does. It's it's it moves very fast. I I'm trying to think. What do you have? You you haven't read anything by Marcus Martin, have you? Eric? Don't think so. He's, he's a good he's, fit for uh, good fit for this book. Good fit for uh, Brian K. Vaughn. He's he's done some work for Marvel in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, what do you think of his style? How would you uh, how would you relate it to uh, to an average Joe? Hmm. Oh, very lean figures, not a whole lot of uh not a whole lot of exaggeration or stylization, but he can uh he can pull that out when he needs to to really sort of push um uh, either emotion or like you know something kinetic, you know, like when someone gets like struck and you know like his face is twisted around and exaggerated to show that, like he's mm-hmm. very good at that. I would say the way his backgrounds and figures work, uh, he's definitely he's definitely read some old Jean Girard comics at some point in his life. He's uh, definitely uh, likes the Mobius. It's uh, it's pretty evident in the way this book looks. I'd be surprised if he was not a, a formulative influence on him. Is he coloring this as well? No, I, uh, I missed that. Munsa Vicente is the colorist. That is a hell of a name. It is. Hmm. What do you His think? action scenes are really, really good. I'm just looking yeah. at the car crash. Yeah, I was actually just looking at the scene where the two guys, the two French guys, uh, flying through the windows. Oh yeah, so good. I was going to ask you, um, this since it is all all digital, mm-hmm. there's no real page size they have to adhere to. Yeah, it's but it is in widescreen to yes. mirror uh, a standard monitor slash tablet size, mm-hmm. and I think that's wise. You know, it it it's uh, very sensible. It felt very natural to read these uh, on my PC. Um, you know, a lot of times, like you know, it's it's made, it's designed, it's thoroughly thought through to be at whatever resolution on a monitor, natural resolution, um, you don't have to zoom in on things and 
do all the problematic things that uh, all this stuff like you get from comicsology that is you know it, it's meant to be print first digital second mm-hmm. like it's problematic to read some of those things you have to zoom in or move it into um uh, what's the what's guided, the enhanced mode called the guided, guided view, view mode yeah to to try and read small text or see small details in a panel or then you have a page that's like laid out funny like it's um like it's a two-page spread but it's upside down and you're turning the tablet and the shit doesn't work because the tablet flips over right um this is it's not meant to be print it succeeds as digital. Mm-hmm. It's just nice when something is from the ground up uh, done for the form that you're reading it on. You know, it's, I don't know, I, digital comics, I, I'm a fan. Yeah, that's, it's kind of part of, and that, the whole digital comic thing is, I mean, I, I, I think this is the whole, this whole thing was kind of the brainchild of Marcos Martin. He came to Ryan Cavon and said, let's do a digital-only comic and let's sell it ourselves. Uh-huh. And Brian Cavon was unsure of how well it would do if, you know, as a, a pay-as-you-want, pay-what-you-want model and all DRM well, he, stuff. Really, he was worried his cloud was going to burst. <laughs> and, and But they've come out after, after this and said they haven't – he's even he's even been, like, so candid as saying, like, this w- hasn't made him as much money as, say, a saga would, you know, if, if uh-huh. he had – Went printed this through Image. If Image was handling this, you know, so to speak, but it's still better than anything they would either of these guys would make for doing Marvel or DC work. Uh-huh. And he and he says the reason that probably isn't doing as well as what he's like. There's still people who just will not read a digital comic, and even when he tells them that they have no plans to ever release this in print, and it would be. I, I guess you could do it. You just, everything would be, you know, two page, you know, double page, quote unquote spreads, whatever, two page. Just print it and you yeah. print it in landscape. Yeah. But I, they say they're not going to. And then people still are like, oh, I'm not going to, they will not read anything that's, that's, uh, not in print first. And I, I mean, we are, we're getting to the point where digital is not, it's not. It's clearly not as still as much money as print comics make. But how far off do you think we are until it's? Do you think we'll ever get to the point where it's even fifty fifty, or uh, even or further further than that? That's a really good question. I I do not know. Um, in a lot of formats, I'd say that the 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 digital takeover is kind of inevitable, just because it has so much more to offer. There's not the overhead cost. Like, like print journalism is insane to me. What is the value of putting it on, on that rag? Mm-hmm. I mean, newsprint is gross, horrible stuff and you throw it away at the end of the day. It is pretty much just sort of designed to be perfect for, for blogging and digital distribution. It's exactly what it needs to be. I don't know if comics are really that. Because it is an artistic medium, and to me, for art, there is always there's always some sort of point to having, you know, the richness of print because it's it is completely different than digital. You know, there's a clean there's a cleanliness to digital, but there is a warmth that print can achieve 
that, that that digital just cannot do. You know, your monitor is only capable of creating so many colors and your eye is only capable of detecting so many of those. And print, you can do things that a monitor just cannot do. That combined with the fact that people just like to collect physical things, mm-hmm. which is exactly why people still buy books. Um, it's hard to say if it's ever going to – they'll probably reach a natural equilibrium, whether it's going to be 50-50 or whether that's going to you know, trend up and down over time that there'll be trends of, oh, there's more print stuff and trends of there's more digital. It's, I don't really know where it's going to go. Some things it's pretty obvious. It's, it does seem like it's going to grow because more people are going to accept it, but it's, it's hard for me to say where it's going to end up falling. I I can't see where that's going to end up. Does that, help at all or is that just a really wishy-washy dodge no that's i mean it's it's hard to say i mean they say right now because comics alley doesn't release numbers to the general public right but from hearsay and from talk about from certain artists you know writers and you know comics professionals etc they say it's could be anywhere from 10 to 20 percent of all sales is digital right now Mm-hmm. And and certainly specific books are even like Saga is almost half and half on their yes that doesn't surprise me on their digital versus print sales and yeah there is I mean I still buy you know trades and hardcover collections and stuff physically because yes. I that I do want to scratch that collecting itch and mm-hmm. but you and I both read most of our comics digitally I over ninety five percent. Mm-hmm. At least on for just I mean because it's so much simpler. Well, I mean, and it's exactly everything that we're descri- that you just described. Everything plays to each of those different things' strengths. Mm-hmm. You know, we're reading the weekly and monthly books. We're reading them be- digitally because it's easier to distribute them that way. Mm-hmm. And we buy things that, are like, well, this is a richer looking. We want more of a print. We want something to collect. You know, like maybe you want to go get one of the variant covers. You can have something collectible Mm -hmm. to have 10 years from now. But if you just want to buy it just to read it, that's you, you can buy it in, you know, in the buff and at one in the morning store never closes. Nope. You get it right away. You, you had mentioned, uh, some of it feels like old man grousing a little bit. Yes. Is it, are you talking about specifically the character of his grandfather, P.I.'s grandfather? It feels very, very shitty of him to put that in there. Um, <laughs> it is very funny to me, um, but it's still, it's such a, it, it's, it's, it does feel like it, yes. I don't know how much more I can add to that, but absolutely. Yes, for those who it's his the there's a grandfather character of the main character who is basically our generation, but now he's an old man. Mm-hmm. Of the he's millennial, gotta be it, like he's like ninety or something. He's a millennial who is now in his old yeah. age, and he still has all the habits of of you know he play like they show him playing like basically Call of Duty on a big screen. He still refers to like. Talks about all the old technology like iPhones and tablets and all that stuff. And 
they actually end up coming in because they have to use that technology to save the day, so to speak, or at least help. Because all this information they need is trapped on a, a tablet of some sort, and uh, it's it's a uh, my that he that character is there is some charm in it because I you know those thoughts do cross my mind. I'm like it's gonna be strange when our generation is really you know elderly and the like we it feels like you know we are the first I would say our, the first real generation to grow up with the internet. As it is, yes, for the most part, as it is now, and when we're old in technology, if I, I'm curious to see how tech, how we evolve, if this generation can evolve with technology as it comes, or are we going to be just like the current generation for the most part, who does not interact with the modern technology? They don't use computers unless it's very simple or something. And of course, there are exceptions, but I mean, but at the same time, the character is seems easy. It's a little too on the nose to me. Mm-hmm. That's that's my complaints with it. I'm like, really, he's just playing Call of Duty. That's the thing. It's 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 heavy handed and it is troubling that way. Yeah, and, then and it, like I said, it's old man grumpiness. Yeah, and about and they talk about how that we we're all on legal speed and it destroys our brain and all that. What what do you think about what it says about privacy? About how we value it? currently and how it's shown well, in this book the things that he's talking about i have i mean in the end of the first book he regards it as this generation's war on privacy which i feel like that's kind of a crock of shit way to describe it but i have similar issues that you know people are like posting pictures of someone that is like getting fast food ahead of them that's acting like an asshole. And then all of a sudden, everyone in the country knows this person's name. Or, like, someone makes an off-color joke on Twitter, and all of a sudden, 20,000 people are tweeting this person per day Mm -hmm. and telling her that she's a racist for, like, a joke. Um, It is completely eroding, like any sense of that because all these things are just being put out in a vast huge public space you know where you can expect the only the the only sort of obscurity of it is that it's just like such a huge echo chamber but you never know at any moment a hundred million people could take notice of it and start harassing you it's it's really weird and shocking and frightening that way um do you remember the discussion that i had about um that that tumblr um that one of the girls in uh, my friend network probably our friend network posted do you remember the me complaining about that i believe i complained to you about it i think so which one is it remind me Uh, yeah i'll i'll talk about it real quick that it was it was a tumbler of handsome men oh, yeah. dressed really nicely, like on their commute, like on a train or some public place, reading. And, you know, it's – if you just look at it, like if on – on a sort of surface level, like, oh, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty charming that these women, like, are very turned on by the fact that, like, all of these – I don't know. Like, I like the idea that this is appealing to them. But when I think about it, this is just like some girl 
taking a picture of a stranger not speaking to him and putting his picture on the internet and thousands of people looking at him Mm -hmm. without his consent. Mm -hmm. That is exactly what that is. And that's really fucking shitty. That's incredibly fucking shitty. Um, Well, I think that's go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I think that is us not when he calls it this generation's war on privacy. Mm hmm. I think that's generalizing it too, yeah. mu- too much because we the internet is still so young. Yeah, there's there's no etiquette for these things. We, really, we don't under, like by the government's point, like a, a, by a legal in a legal legal sort of way. If you are in a public place, you are basically giving up your right to any sort of privacy. That if people are, they you say that they say that, but like you're not, you you're not supposed to be recorded. Like you can't have your voice recorded without your permission. That's that is, to my understanding, illegal. And I don't understand why it is not the same thing. I don't know. I mean, I understand that like security cameras are are a thing. Like that is probably legal. I'm assuming there are no, many it, of them. No, it is. It's perfectly legal. I mean, they even there. It depends, and also a lot of this is depends on where. Like some states are different than others, just because our legal system is so weird in some in certain yes. ways. Like levels of state to state versus federal versus going all the way up to Supreme Court. But I mean, there have been cases where people have there's if you're they're staying in front of their living room window theoretically they don't they if you can be seen through that window by from the street Mm -hmm. then if someone takes your picture through that window then that is you're giving up your right to privacy in that specific way and that we don't have but it's not the same my i mean i'm i'm not really getting to that the legal standpoint is because if you're in a subway car how many people are in that car with you at most a few dozen yeah not thousands of people. You can't think. Not thousands of people. Not thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And that's, that's what, that's what the world is becoming. Yeah. Is because of this connectedness. If you step outside, you might see 10 people, but potentially you're standing around millions of people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can, Brian K. Vaughn himself doesn't have a Twitter. Like it was, it's a big deal when he jumps on the panel sitting at Twitter for, an hour and answers questions or something because he doesn't like, he's not like he interacts through with people through his comics or through interviews or like, I, I think he goes to very rarely goes to cons. Um, I think he was at image expo, I think. And that was a big deal. Um, he didn't li- like recently he, he lived in LA, you know, he, cause he wrote for, for Hollywood and mm-hmm. he moved to the Midwest and, you know, cause he, is quote unquote taking a break from Hollywood and just doing comics work. Um, so I think that this is kind of partly, I mean, you can see it in how he acts and that he, you know, he thinks about, you know, how, how our privacy is quote unquote eroding. Um, and I guess, I mean, I, and that's kind of the point of this comic is, I, I don't know if necessarily maybe it has to be loud and obnoxious about it to make you think about it more. Like, and clearly, I mean, it clearly does it a lot, just with the, the way that the, uh, disguises are, are designed to look. Mm-hmm. Like, they're very big and colorful and ridiculous. 
and that, I guess it, it sort of mirrors the way our internet pseudonyms work in a certain yes. way. And instead of them on in virtual space, they are in real space with the, you know, uh, more, uh, tactile, uh, I can't, I don't, words, something, something. Yes. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess that we, this is good enough time to talk about the villain and all the villain wants to do is make the internet happen again. Mm-hmm. And he's, well, he does, he does like do horrible things on the way, but. Oh yeah. You know, that's, and that's always kind of the best villains, I guess, are the ones who have a reasonable goal, but will do anything to meet it. So that, and that's kind of what this villain is. He's willing to, you know, murder and kill and maim and do whatever is necessary to do this, launch a satellite to make the internet work again and see what happens. Do you think it, this book goes far enough to raise, like, it It seems to, at the end, try and pull, like, we've talked already about how it is a little over the top at some points, too pointed, too on the nose, heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. It seems to pull back a little bit at the end and try and raise a, a little bit of discussion about if it's really the nature of the internet or if it's just the nature of people. Do you think it does enough in that regard to raise... Like to create an actual discussion instead of just, hey, internet's bad or private or not even internet's bad, but it's destroying our privacy. Therefore, it's not worthy, uh, worth, uh, being around. Your question confuses me just a little bit. Is the comic actually confronting that issue adequately? Is it nuanced enough to actually, is it nuanced, you know, to actually suggest that maybe the internet isn't the reason all that happened? Or that maybe we're, you know, I think there's a lot of, there is, as we've already kind of touched on, there's tons of nuance in this topic. Mm-hmm. Do you think the comic itself adequately conveys that nuance? Like, near the end, it seems to be trying to do that. It, well, how so? Because, the, well, I think the main issue is because the protagonists don't know exactly what the villain is trying to do until near the mm-hmm. end. And then they, when it's revealed, oh, he's trying to bring the internet back, There's there's an actual discussion in the text about if that's a if that's going to be disastrous or not and they talk and you know it seems to have a back and forth so to speak and and the fact that the guy trying to stop this basically dissemination of privacy or lack of is the guy who invades people's privacy for a living Mm -hmm. and that is that seems that's very interesting to me but i don't think i feel like they could have done more with that it it Seems like, like a lot of this is kind of a half measure. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's clearly a lot more that could have been explored here. This could have been a much bigger story. Um, not to say that it's not important to discuss. I just don't know that. I don't know that this, the premise of this and this world, if it had enough meat, because what, where do you go from here? Mm-hmm. What what else do you introduce? Where do you where does the story grow to? I mean, I'm sure he could pull it off, but I I don't think that there's quite enough richness to that discussion to where you could just have more and more and more fiction based around that idea. Like I think it would get less interesting. That this works. I think I think being you know as we've been saying on the nose. Mm-hmm. It's 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 big and bold. 
he described it as it's a noir story in bright colors. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, it hits those notes, you know, apart from being colored that way, you know, literally colored that way. It, it's that big, bold neon sign of a world. Yeah. I, I, I actually just at a blanket kind of level, it reminded me a lot of Transmetropolitan. Yes. I'd say that's pretty apt. Except Transmetropolitan went another 50 issues. Yeah. Explored a lot more things. Um, I feel like this could have done that in if this and this could have been a story within a, a, a grander. Yeah. A grander story. But I guess Brian K. Vaughn's not. He's already has a, you know, saga. Well, it's like it's like the whole like I could see this world being interesting and telling other stories. But as it stands, the whole the whole world and whole story is based around the whole idea of the end of privacy. Right. And how long can you flog that horse before it's dead? Yeah. It's kind of what I'm saying. It's to true. tell different stories in this world could be interesting, but at what point would that cease to be as effective? Yeah. It'd have to be framed differently. Mm-hmm. How, who would you suggest this to? I think that's always our... I would say um, saga fans, you know, mm -hmm. just to follow up, understand a little bit more about who Brian K. Vaughn is. Um, I think this is... Um, this is this is a um a deeper cut I think. Yeah. You know, it's certainly good. I mean the, these these guys are super talented. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh I mean I I felt like I had to read it in kind of a rush because I've been so busy, but while I wanted to get through it very quick, I also was kind of disappointed it was over. It's mm -hmm. I mean it's just good. It's just good. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's a deep, it's a deep cut for Brian K. Vaughn, despite it being, you know, a new book. I don't think this doesn't, this doesn't have, you know, rock star hit comic written all over it. But I'm very glad that it's a, that it is a thing. Yeah. It's, and I think it's not that, I mean, if, I think if this was in print as well as available digitally, mm -hmm. I think, I, I don't think it'd be on the level of saga, but I think it certainly would be, acclaimed and more celebrated than it has been i would say obviously all the people you said yes they should definitely check this comic out i would say people who have not read digital comics who don't read digital comics check this out because i think like eric said this was has been it was designed it's it's a lot of digital comics like the stuff marvel and dc do it's digital first and mark way does in thrill bent is they tweak comics you know, like you, as you tap through the pages, it adds elements to a specific page. Like it'll add just a speech bubble to the same page mm -hmm. to, the, to give them the, 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 the illusion of, of time, you know, as someone is appearing and then talking. This yes. is kind of in, in between a physical comic and that kind of what is becoming how people write digital first comics. I would say start with this because it was designed to be read on a computer monitor or a tablet. And then and maybe you can give other other digital first a shot and even reading normal comics digitally a shot. It you know, seeing how this how this feels when you're reading it on a screen or on a tablet. And it's it's pay what you want. Literally you could get it for free from their website if you wanted to. 
as of this recording, I got it for free from from Verboito, but I'm probably gonna fork over some bucks for it, and gladly so. I I paid a dollar. Like Ryan K. Vaughn. Yeah, huh? I, I paid a dollar an issue. I paid one uh, ten bucks for ten issues. Dude, that's how much comics should cost for real. Well, and they and what they say they they made a decent a decent dollar off of what people have paid, and they like some people have weren't able to afford a lot, but other people made up for it. Other people paid a lot or more than what was expected. So yeah. Oh, anything else you want to talk about here? Nothing's jumping out at me. You made a good solid discussion there. Yeah, with some some good mouth flapping for you. Uh, so folks, that was Private Eye. By Brian K. Vaughn, Marcos Martin, Munsa Vicente. Next week, we are doing Copra, Volume 1. I believe it's the first six issues, I want to say. Yes, first six issues. Copra, Round 1, it's, it is called, uh, by, by Michel Fife. Uh, and it, it is all by Michel Fife. He did every single part of it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that, that is the, uh, the, that's the kind of the most interesting thing about it. I think we haven't, uh, I think the only thing we've ever done, let's see, that's Stoko, Orkstein. That was all him. Um, he did all, everything in it. I'm not sure if anything else has been enti- the entire work of one person. Can you think of anything? Uh, saying Brandon Graham. Was King City all him? Yes. Okay. Written and drawn, and most of the things he's done, with the exception of Profit, was all his biz. Mm-hmm. Uh, beginning and end. Uh, Scott Pilgrim, a lot of stuff from Oni. Uh, Battling Boy, written and drawn, not colored by. That's right. what you you mean with the addition of that, don't yeah. you? Yeah, I mean everything. Yeah. Well, Battling Boy counts with the exception of color because he did hand letter it. Same thing with uh, Brandon Graham, hand lettered his own stuff. Don't know about the letterer of. Um, Scott Pilgrim, but uh, that was almost entirely O'Malley, right? But I think it, I think it qualifies. There's something about that that uh, that manga comic pioneer mm-hmm. pulling himself up by his bootstraps. Yep, it's creating a singular vision. I think it's always interesting. Yes. yes. Uh, but with that, I think we can call it a day. Uh, let's see before we go. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Handsboyscomicshour.com. Uh, check us out there. Check us out on, let's see, Facebook, facebook.com slash handsboyscomicshour. We're on Twitter at HBC Hour. Uh, please, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or uh, wherever you listen to us, wherever you found us. Uh, really helps us out, gets us new listeners, uh, gets us attention. We appreciate it. Uh, if you listen, you're, that's the best thing you can do. Give us a, take five minutes out of your day and give us a review, uh, on one of your, one of those places. Um, not email. even five minutes, right? Not even five minutes. It could take less than that. Um, or you can email us as well, handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. We'd like to hear from you guys. Uh, you can find me at on Twitter at MixMasterTrail. It's M-A-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-C-E-R-E-A-L. Uh, Eric, where can they find you online? That you can see my portfolio by going to freewillunlimited.com. Don't get too excited. You need to go to ericzgoodnight.com to see most of the other things I get up to online including my Tumblr and my Pinterest. And uh, from there, you can tweet at me directly, straight to me. goes right to my pocket, uh, at Mr. Bad Example, spelled M-R Bad Example. And with that, I was going to change my Twitter username to Blue Screen of Death Jesus. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. 
Yes, guys, some little technical difficulties here. We soldier, yeah. we soldier through. Yes. Uh, with that, we call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll.